0: So today I'm preparing for communion. Uh, sometimes with communion I, I like to pause and reflect on communion. So I've got a little challenge for you. Uh, if you've got a, a phone or a Bible, whichever one you want to look at today, um, I'm going to preach the communion message, but I'm going to preach it from the book of John. And so if you want, I'm going to talk just a little bit. If you want to go to the book of John, try to find for me where you believe I will be when it comes to the communion message in the book of John. You're not allowed to go to Matthew, Mark, or Luke, and you're not allowed to go to 1 Corinthians. I want you to look in John and see potentially where this message may come from. While you're looking, I'll talk about something you're not that worried about. Um, if you got a chance, I was blessed this week uh, to be able to be interviewed by MyBridge Radio, um, what was it, Thursday morning at 5.30, they started running it. I pulled up to Bible study, and Brent thought I was really vain because I stayed in my car for a little bit because I wanted to see how silly I sounded or if I sounded foolish or not. So I just sat in the car, and Brent pulled up, and he's sitting in his truck, and I get out, he's like, you were listening to yourself, weren't you? Yeah, I was, okay? Um, but if you want to listen to that, it is available on MyBridge Radio. They did a, just an interview. It's about my walk and how God got us into Crawford and some of the things God's been speaking in my life, so... It was a great opportunity for me to be able to live the sermon. I preached on sharing your story, and MyBridge Radio called, and they wanted to interview me, uh, so I couldn't tell them no, because then I had to share my story. It was with an audience that was much broader than I'm comfortable with. So anyway, did anybody find the communion story in John yet? Huh? John what? I can't hear you. John 13. Okay. That's probably where I will start, but it's intriguing. Because when you look at John 13, John 13 is where we will be this morning, but it's hard to find the elements in John chapter 13. It's hard to find the elements of communion. We we recognize in John chapter 13 that yes, Jesus is at the meal that if you compare it to Matthew, Mark and Luke is is the meal in which he instituted or he began the Lord's Supper. But it's an interesting story because in John 13, we don't get to the body and blood of Christ at all. You can look at it, John chapter 13. I'll start it uh, in the beginning, John 13, and I'm not working yet. John 13, uh verse 1. It says, it was just before the Passover festival, And Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. So it's the Passover festival, just before it. Uh, Having loved his own who were with him, or who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal, so it's the meal, the Passover meal, the meal before Passover, was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped the towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, I read John 13, 1-5 for a reason. Because if you want to, you can look in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and there are accounts of the Last Supper with Jesus, where we see these moments happening. We see Judas and, and, and the bread, and he betrays Jesus. We see Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. Matthew 26, if you want to go for comparison. Then Judas, who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You said so. So while they were eating, so during this same meal, where Judas was going to betray Jesus. This may not be novel, but it's important for me to set this context as I preach my message this morning. So while they were eating, Jesus, he took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. Now these are the verses we're used to. Pastor reads something similar to this every Sunday when we take meal, when we take communion. Now Matthew, Mark, and Luke felt it very important to include the elements or what Jesus offered at the Last Supper. And so it says, what I just read, it says he broke it, he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he gave given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is the body of my covenant, which is poured out, for the forgiveness of sins, I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of this vine from now until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So, so this is the end of the meal. And I want to pray, but, but I want to get into what happens in John. Because John was unique in his presentation. I'm going to pray, Father, we thank you for this time. And God, we thank you for your word. And I pray, God, that as we look at your word this day, that you that You move our hearts to understanding you. Father, I pray for your anointing upon this message, asking God that you would be glorified, praying for your truth in these next few moments. Help us to hear from you. I submit myself, God, asking for you to speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you have your books, your Bibles out, or you're on your app, if you look at John 13, we don't see Jesus offering a cup, and we don't see Jesus offering a bread. And actually, uh, my hypothesis, where I'm at when I look at that, is John 13 continues into John 14. And John 14 continues into John. Now, this is novel stuff. 14 goes to 15, 15 goes to 16, and 16 goes to 17. Roy, you take something home today. Elliot might be happy. They had used his numbers. But the reality is, is that I don't see the end of the meal until John chapter 17. I don't see them getting up and leaving until John chapter 17. So what John decided to do, maybe intentionally, I'm not certain on his motive, but he doesn't include the elements of, ...of the Lord's Supper, but he includes the teachings or the understanding that the disciples were supposed to have in this moment... And so what John does that Luke, Matthew, Mark, and and Paul in 1 Corinthians doesn't do is he gives the context, he gives the understanding, he gives the teaching of Jesus Christ that accompanied his meal. How many times have you read Scripture and you said, man, I wish I saw a different perspective of this moment? I wish that when I read this, I knew more. I mean, Jesus took a cup and he offered it to him. He took bread and he offered it to him. Did they really get what he was saying? I read it and, and we'll read it in 1 Corinthians that we do this time and time again. For I passed on to you what I received from the Lord. The Lord Jesus, the night was betrayed. He broke bread. He gave it to his disciples. You know, and we say that. And what was the context? What were they thinking? Did they really understand what Jesus was saying? John chose to include about five chapters, four, Of what Jesus was teaching in this moment. We get to see the heart of Jesus Christ. John 14. He starts to warn his disciples that things are about to change. Right? That's where we get to, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. He starts telling them that, that things are going to be different. John 15, you know, and, and he starts talking about the importance of remaining. He uses that metaphor of remaining in the vine. I and the Father, and the Father in me. What was Jesus trying to teach his disciples? He said some peculiar things in John 16. Jesus went on to say, in a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? And because I'm going to the Father, they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. I mean, I read the, the Matthew account, and I think they just took the cup and they drank it. It was no big deal. They're processing the reality of Jesus' ministry on earth. Like, what is he saying? We're going to play hide and seek? Like he's going to be here, and then he won't, and then he'll be back. I mean, what's going on? This is what I see Jesus unpacking the elements of communion. It says in verse 26 of that same chapter, In that day you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father. I I am not saying that I will ask the Father on behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you've loved me. And have believed that I have come from God. I came from the Father, entered the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. Jesus is very clear about what's about to happen. What is he going to do? What's the last line I say? He's leaving. For us to understand the elements, we have to understand that Jesus left. I'm going to the Father. What's about to come is, is what, I, what, I, what I needed to happen. And he says later, a time is coming, and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I'm not alone, for my Father is with me. I've told you these things so that in me you will have peace, but in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. John 16. Jesus has talked about he's going to prepare a place, he's talked about, They're going to send the advocate, the counselor. The Holy Spirit is going to come down. The Holy Spirit can't come down unless I'm not here. And then he starts talking about he's leaving to go with the Father, and there's going to be trial, and there's going to be questions. And i got to guess, if I'm sitting at the table with Jesus, I'm wondering what in the world is happening. Like we gathered for the Passover feast. And at some point, he took a cup and he took bread. And at another point, he's teaching about leaving. This isn't what I expected. And then he says, we're going to have trial. The Holy Spirit's coming. He's going to be with the Father. But ultimately, Jesus is teaching about his plan for man. He wants us to understand his heart for us. And that no matter what happens, remain in the Father. No matter what happens, no matter what trials come, no matter what people say, I may not be here, I may be with the Father, know that the Father loves you. He hasn't stopped loving you. What Jesus is communicating is an understanding of his relationship or unity with his people. That's what all this teaching, you can read it this week, if you're looking for something to read John 14 through John 16. And then, John 17. Now, I'm at meal, I'm wondering what's going on, I'm wondering where things are. Jesus has taught me some stuff, and I'm a little bit confused probably if I'm a disciple, and I'm trying to discern why he's offering me a cup and why he's offering me the bread. And then Jesus does something incredible. And again, this is Pastor Steve's hypothesis, so you can tell me I'm wrong if you want. And my understanding is there's not a change from John 16 to John 17. Jesus is still at the table with his disciples and he begins to pray. So he taught them about his heart for for them. He taught them about the heart of the elements and and what he desired them to know. But, But Jesus in John chapter 17 begins to pray. And I'm going to pause right there. Angie said at the beginning of her her message today that she was praying for us like she always does. This week, I'll be honest, was not a good week in my life. Um, My back has been bothering me since about March. And this week my neck started hurting and I couldn't hardly turn my head. And I was discouraged and I was frustrated. And I told my wife, I'm tired, I'm tired of hurting, I'm tired of being in pain. And I came to church and, and, and we had prayer and the ladies prayed for me. And does it ever make you feel good when someone prays for you? You know, when you're going through a situation and you know, you know, a lot of times you'll see it posted on Facebook, I'm praying for you. But when someone you know has been praying for you, does it not bring value to you? I remember Greg and Kathy, as they talked about what they went through this year, Kathy or Greg, one of them at some point said, we could tangibly feel the prayers of people praying for us in this season. I mean, isn't there something remarkable when someone prays for you? Now, I, I just wanted that thought, Pastor. I pray for the church, but every every Sunday, I end with with this message from Numbers chapter six: "The Lord bless you and keep you." That's not just something Pastor says because it's fun. It's it's something that is Pastor's heart. For the church, my prayer when I speak that, my prayer when I pray for the church is genuinely that this blessing that was given in Numbers chapter 6 would be revealed in your lives. So when I say the Lord bless you and keep you, my prayer is that God would literally bless you and keep you. My prayer is that he would make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you, that that he would turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. There's something in communion about prayer. Because Scripture says in John chapter 17 that Jesus began to pray. And if you look at John chapter 17... He starts his prayer by praying for himself. It's John 17, 1. I'm not going to talk about what he prayed for himself this morning, but Jesus at the table. Now think about this. He's just taught them that he's going to be with the Father, and Jesus begins to pray. Oh, Jesus is praying. Maybe he's going to pray for me. No, Jesus starts his prayer at the Passover feast, and he begins to pray for himself. And then after he prays for himself, do you know who he prays for? Everybody that's at the table with him. He starts to pray for his disciples at that point. And Jesus, in in, in John chapter chapter 17, I probably should get my Bible uh, because I don't have this all outlined, he begins to pray for himself. And then in verse 20, I'm just going to read this first, and I want you to tell me who Jesus is praying for before I put the answer up on the screen. My prayer is not for them alone. Them being the disciples. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe you have sent me, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as I have loved you, Father, I want those you have given with me you have given me to be with me where I am, and see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me, and I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. Now, I read a long portion of Scripture, but that was Jesus' prayer, Who was Jesus praying for? Jesus was praying for those who will believe through the message of the disciples. He was praying that all of them, every one of them, everyone who would believe may be one with the Father. What if I said this day that when Jesus was instituting the Lord's Supper, he was praying for you? When Jesus was preparing the table, when Jesus was setting the table that we should do in remembrance of him, he literally, from my understanding, because I believe through the teaching of the disciples, that's how I understand and know, that Jesus Christ was praying for me. And what his prayer showed and what what his teachings taught was, was a prayer of unity. It's a prayer of communion. Literally, uh, uh, when Augustine, he defined communion, he said it's from two words, com, meaning with or together, and eunice, meaning oneness or un- union. So together with union is what communion is. Jesus' prayer is a prayer of unity. Unity that is based on our life in Him. If we truly understand the common path and the common purpose that we're on he's praying that we would be in this together jesus's prayer is that we would understand that we are with oneness or union in greek it's often understood as koinonia in a in a lexicon of the new testament it's defined as fellowship association community communion, and joint participation. Jesus' heart, the heart of this moment, was the reality of unity within the body of Christ. Even when tomorrow doesn't look like you expect, even when the soldiers show up and Judas betrays me, Even when things get rough and we're scattered, we have been unified by the common path and purpose that we are on. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. You see, because of the path that we're on, We should be together in purpose. We should be unified. We all came the same way. That way was Jesus Christ. That way was the cross of Jesus Christ in which he died so that we could have relationship with the Father. Because of that, we should be walking together Jesus prayed for us because he knew at times things would be challenging. I wonder if he saw how many different churches and church splits might be and and how many frustrations there might be within the body of Christ. And his prayer for communion was that we would be together. We're unified from a common path. And then he says, I have given them the glory that you gave me. That they may be one as we are one. I and them. And you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given with me, given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. Jesus' prayer goes along with Pastor's sermon from the last month. Jesus' prayer at the Lord's Supper was that you and I would experience His glory. His desire is that we would know the glory that Moses experienced on Mount Sinai. The God who said, I'm a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. The one who punishes the guilty for their sin to the third and fourth generation. Jesus prayed for you and I that we would experience His glory the glory that you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world the glory that is revealed through jesus christ john chapter 1 verse 14 says the word became flesh in the beginning was the word the word was god the word was with god John chapter 1, verse 14 says, The Word became flesh. He made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And we've been talking about 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we all who with unveiled faces, we contemplate the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into His image. I want to tell you that there's unity in the glory of God. We're being transformed into what? We're being transformed into the image of Christ. So guess what? We should exist well together because of the transformation that comes through his glory. The glory of God should not divide. The glory of God should unite. It doesn't mean we all look the same, but I'm not guessing Jesus is writing an orchestra that's going to sound terrible because nothing goes together. He's writing a symphony that sounds remarkable because of the transformation that's happening in your life and the transformation that's happening in my life that complement each other because there's unity in the glory of God. So we have a unity that's based on our life in Him. We have a unity that's inspired by his glory, a common motivation, and we have a unity in his father's love. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and, and, and I myself may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. Jesus' prayer for us is that we would understand love, that we would understand the, the unity that we have that has been sealed by the love of the Father. Remain in me and I in you, and you'll remain in my Father just as he's in me. I mean, that's truly Jesus' heart, that our, our lives would be sealed by the love of God. What greater demonstration of this is there than these elements? These elements show us that there's something that can. Connects us. There's something that unifies us. There's a common goal. There's a common purpose that we all celebrate as we come to the table. I am compelled by the reality that Jesus Christ may have prayed for me. In his prayer, was that I would understand the path, the inspiration, and the source that he has for me. The love, the power, and glory of God that he's revealed to me. Jesus Christ prayed for me on that day. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is is a mediator and he's still praying for us. I'm blessed to know that you're praying for me. And I'm blessed to know that Jesus is praying for me. And I believe that oftentimes when we approach the table, the the approach, and I agree, Jesus prayed. He prayed, right, for himself first. But I think that's often the approach we come to the table with. This is a moment about me praying. Which I'm not denying because he gave us body. He told us to drink from the cup of the new covenant. I mean, I get that. I understand there's something very tangible and real about my relationship with the father that comes through this table. But guess what? The table wasn't for two, but it was for many. Huh? The table wasn't just about me and him, but the table was about him and the body of Christ. The table was about him and those who would know. And so as we approach his table, I want to come with the approach of community. You can come forward. Just him right now, not everybody else. Could have been bad. Billy Graham would have done that and the altars would have been full. This morning, I want to take a posture of unity in communion. If I can have some people give out the elements, that would be beneficial. We're good. Thank you, Dave. But this morning, I want you to think about the fact that someone prayed for you. Communion today, just in case anyone's wondering, we practice open communion, which means everyone can participate if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you have a relationship with Him, please feel compelled to participate with us this morning. But this morning, I, I, I want you to come to the table knowing Jesus' heart. My heart is that, that as we come to the table today, we recognize the heart of God Which is one truly with oneness. There's a fellowship. There's a unity. And I want us to follow the pattern of Jesus Christ. Is that a good thing to do? Pastor's not asking us to be too weird today. And Jesus, as he, as he sat at this table, as He prepared this table, He recognized that He had to pray for Himself. If there's something in you that you need to pray for, if there's a situation that you need the promises of God fulfilled in, if there's a place that you need to get into His body, pray for yourself this morning, by all means. But in my heart, Did you take communion today? I don't want you just to think about him and you. But I want you to think about someone else who needs him in their life. About someone else who's going through a situation where they need to know the love of the Father. About someone else who needs to experience the glory of God. The power of God. The goodness of God. The the, the remarkable demonstration of his grace and love. the, The patience of God. I want you to think about someone who needs to be sealed with the love of the Father. So that this morning, as we participate, we're coming to the table with all. You know what? If you feel like you're supposed to pray with someone in this place this morning, do it. If you feel like part of communion today is, is someone that's in your life, maybe it's an aunt, an uncle, a brother, a sister, maybe it's a, a niece, a nephew, a coworker, whoever, and you feel like today is a day that God has a seat for them at the table, pray for them this morning. If you know someone that needs the touch of God in your life, don't be afraid to pray for them. Jesus prayed for you. We can pray for others. Because as we pray, as we participate in His meal this day, we're coming to the table that He set for us. And it's a table that, in John chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, chapter 7, table of you. It's a table where there is oneness within the body of Christ. Father, I come to you this morning I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you that we can stand before you, that we've been invited to your table. Each of us. God, I thank you that it's not just me and you, but it's each and every one in the body of Christ is at your table this morning and God I pray that as we come to your table today we can experience communion unity that comes through the love of the Father unity that was revealed through the glory of Jesus Christ. Unity that is mine because of the path, the way that is Jesus Christ. I'm going to read these words and we're not going to follow this like we normally do. I want you to take communion when you're ready. And if you feel compelled to take communion and pray, Uh, That's fine. But but oftentimes we talk about the cup of the new covenant. That's God's promise in your life. You probably know someone that needs some some of God's promise. And as you think of them, I want you to pray for them. If they're they're here, don't be afraid to to pray with them. Let them finish what they're doing. That's His promise. It says in 1 Corinthians, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, in the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It says in the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I have Tam Singh, and I'm going encourage you to come to his table, not at the altar, but where you're at, and have communion with the body. This morning is an opportunity for communion, it's an opportunity for fellowship within the body of Christ. It's an opportunity for us to recognize the love of God that has transformed me so I can be used to touch others. I've said this and I'll pray this. The Lord bless you and keep you. May God truly bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God's face shine so brightly, his grace revealed so greatly that you see and know how good he is. May he turn his face towards you and grant you peace. God, I pray for peace in lives. God, I pray for a peace. Biblical peace is wholeness in our lives. God, that you would be glorified.